to One Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. So we are continuing in our series called The Way, um, which centers around three principles. You should be able to say them now by, by, by memory. To be with Jesus, to be like Jesus, and to do what Jesus does. And so two weeks ago, we opened up with Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest, this beautiful invitation to be connected to, to be literally tied to Jesus, the picture is, and that you'll get rest for your soul. And last week, we wrestled the question, what is the Christian life? Uh, we kind of wrestled that down to the ground, and I posed the question, is the Christian life coming to church? Is the Christian life singing songs? Is, is the Christian life um, um, discipleship training and classes and, and missionary trips and, and caring for the poor? And where we landed is that those are components of the Christian life, but that our first calling we learned from Mark chapter three is when he called the disciples to himself, he called them first that they might be with him. So our first calling, friends, is not to do anything, but it's to be with him, to be with him, yes? yes. So we, listen, I, I, I can't overstate this one thing, because our wheels turn really fast in 2018. Listen, if we miss this as the foundation, we will get off track. Luther said we're all legalists by nature, so we wanna know the rules. We wanna know, like, even in our marriages, it's like, okay, this is how I know that we're good. If I put the toilet seat down, and, or up, um, if I put the tie on the bread, um, if, if I never, like, leave the cap off the ice cream so that the ice cream gets that funky ice on top of it and doesn't taste good, you know what I'm talking about? If I do that, then me and Kathleen are gonna be good, right? Because those are the boxes that I can check off. But I, I, listen, I wanna just obliterate that, okay? Christianity is not a list of boxes to be checked off, but it's a person to be with. It's a person to know. It's about being with him. That's the essence of the Christian life. And so I wanna drill a little further down on this concept, because it's not a one-week message. Truthfully, for me, it's the message of my life. And I feel like I could preach out of this one text just over and over again, and we'd never get to the bottom of it, but we're gonna try in 36 minutes to get there. The title of the message this week is Life in the Vine. Life in the Vine. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you for the anointing of your Holy Spirit and that you're already here, God. You're already moving and touching people and, 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 and changing hearts, God, and illuminating our spirits, God, to the reality of, of your word and the gospel and who you are, God. Would you continue to keep us open, God, for these next few moments. Help us to stay um, attentive to what you are saying, God, and would you overshadow me, God? You know that I'm, I'm, I'm broken and I'm weak and I desperately need your help, God. Would I become so small for these next few moments that, Jesus, you would be everything in this place, God. Give us uh, ears to hear and eyes to see what you're saying. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen, amen and amen. Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, we're going to start in verse 1. I'm reading out of the New King James today. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. 
You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. So to understand the context of the language with the vine, okay? He's speaking to his disciples, okay? And, and before we get into the imagery, it's really important to know the timeline. Jesus, they have, they have just, ha- he just washed his disciples' feet. They just had their last meal together. And he's literally walking to the Garden of Gethsemane where he's going to have a little prayer meeting. And by noon the next day, he'll be hanging on a cross dying. So that's the context. And it's interesting. One of the things that I learned working in the ICU, and my wife could tell you, from being in the ICU, there's a lot of suffering and a lot of death. And if somebody is intact mentally and they're in those last few hours of their life, it's worth paying attention to what they're going to say. People aren't talking about baseball scores in the last few hours of their life. They're not talking about politics. They're gathering the people that they love the most and they're saying the things that matter the most. So this moment with Jesus and his disciples, he is painting a picture which to me is the essence of the Christian life. It really is, to me, the deepest of all of images and of texts of scripture that I can find in this book. Are you ready to unpack it? Say yes. Back in, back in verse one, I'm the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. A vine dresser is a gardener. And my first thought this morning, if you're taking notes, is the vine is the life. The vine is the life. So this is the last of seven I am statements in the Bible. Let's do a pop quiz. You didn't know there was gonna be a pop quiz, but there is. I am the bread of? Seven people. I am the light of the? Well, you can't finish this one. I am the door of the sheep. That's an obscure one. I am the good. I am the resurrection and the. I am the way, the truth, and the. And I am the true. So his disciples were Jewish. And vine imagery is, is very, very familiar to them. Throughout the Old Testament, Israel is described as the vine. They are the chosen people by God to carry the presence of God and to represent God in the earth. There was even a golden vine, like a sculpture on the outside of the temple. It was their national symbol. It was their bald eagle. It was a symbol of their chosenness. What's interesting is that almost every time in the Old Testament when the vine symbolism is used, it was actually a pronouncement of judgment because again and again, God was looking to produce fruit through Israel, but they never produced the fruit that he was looking for. And so Jesus, right from the beginning, it's a revolutionary text, okay? And he turns it on its head because it's not a pronouncement of judgment. It's an invitation into something beautiful, 
this morning, friends. And, and Jesus was always coming up against, um, um, he was always using this particular imagery. I, this, this week I was reading in, in Matthew, um, in, in my own quiet time, and, and religious people sometimes can be funny, um, especially when you read the New Testament accounts. So, so there's these, the religious leaders in the group, they're, they're upset because Jesus is healing people. And they start drilling and they say, on whose authority, you know, like, who told you you could come to our church meeting and start doing this stuff, okay? You're opening up deaf ears, you're, you're, you're raising people up from the dead, and you're doing some of this on the Sabbath, time out. Okay, you didn't email us. We like to be looped in if there's something that's gonna happen, you know, in our little meetings, right? And so Jesus, okay, he blasts them. He tells this parable about a vineyard. He uses this imagery, and it's a vineyard that's rented to this group of tenants, and he goes on through the story about how the tenants were wicked, and they didn't manage it right, and he kept sending people to them, okay? And it's a picture of the prophet saying, don't go the direction you're going, and at the end, at the end of the parable, he says, well, uh, the, the landlord says, well, I'll send my son. Surely they'll respect my son, and what do they do? They, they want his inheritance. They drag him off and kill him, and so Jesus, with like, he's like a ninja, the parable ninja. We might do a series called Jesus, the Parable Ninja. Do you ever read some of Jesus' writings, and you're like, wow, Jesus is kind of gangster right there. Am I the only one? So he ends the parable with what's going to happen to those wicked tenants, Okay, I'm gonna take the vineyard away and I'm gonna give it, I'm gonna kill the tenants and I'm gonna give it to somebody else. Guess who the somebody else is? You and me. You and me. So be on the lookout for Jesus, the parable gangster ninja. That might be coming soon. So right away he's saying, okay, I am the true vine. Israel's not the vine. I'm the vine. I'm the vine. He's calling them out of their nationalism. He's placing himself higher than all nations. He's saying, I'm the true vine. Okay, so let's set our terms a little bit. We'll do this a few times. Okay, I want you to see the picture this morning. Who's the vine? Jesus. Who's the vine? Jesus. And who is the vine dresser? Father. The father. Who's the vine dresser? The father. So a vine dresser is like an agricultural artist, okay? If you study this and you see what they have to do to get the very best grapes, it's, it really is an art form as much as a science. It takes wisdom and experience to, to carefully take care of these, of, of these vines and branches to get the best fruit. Okay, so let's set it again. It's, we're gonna get the picture this morning. The vine is the life, okay? And the vine is? Jesus. And the father is? The vine dresser. Okay, and, and who are the branches? Wave it, wave it in the air. Okay, that's a branch, all right? You are branches. Some of you are more prickly than others. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, you got some thorns, bro. <laughs> Unless it's your spouse, don't do that. You wanna sleep on the garage or? <laughs> we are the branches, Jesus is the vine. So here's the first thing that we learn. Everything that's good comes from the vine. All life, all purpose, all strength, all love, all power, all grace, all mercy, every good and perfect gift is from above. Yeah, it comes from the vine. It comes from Jesus. And listen, friends, this is the great mystery and secret of the Christian life. When you boil this thing down to its essence, it's not a list of rules to be followed. It's a person to be known. It's Jesus. 
Amen? So the picture's beautiful. We are, we are the branches. We're made, made to stay connected to him. The life is in the vine this morning, friends. The life is not in anything else. I am the way, the truth, and the I can feel the heart of God, though, breaking again and again as his children look for life in lifeless things. We look to money. If I could just make more money, there's life in the money. There's no life in the money. If I could just succeed and get the next accolade and get that recognition, there's going to be life in my success. If I could just build my kingdom, but there's no life in the success. If I could just get that next glass of wine and go out with my friends and just, and just you know, have a little fun, blow off some steam, there's going to be life there, but there's no life in the glass, friends. Listen, this... We look to entertainment, we look to whatever we can in the moment to try to kind of numb out our soul or calm down our, our gears that turn so fast. But listen, friends, the vine is the life. It's a call in the text to stop looking for life in lifeless things. Let's go back to verse two. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may be more fruitful. Abide in me, and I, in, oh, I'm sorry. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So we're getting right down to it, okay? Jesus is the vine. The Father is the gardener. We're the branches. We're invited to stay connected to him. Last week we talked about relationship versus fellowship, okay? I've got relationship with Pastor Tim, but unless we go over to um, Peach Valley and eat that massive omelet together like we do periodically with bacon all in it, I'm starting to fast tomorrow, so I'm just gonna talk about food. <laughs> Kathy and I are going out on a date tonight, and I'm gonna eat. <laughs> Okay, but if I don't go to breakfast with Pastor Tim, remember what we talked about last week? We got relationship, but we don't have fellowship, right? So this is one of the most central questions to the Christian faith. What does it mean to abide? Abide, it's a beautiful word. I chose the New King James because it said abide and not remain in, but this is what abide means. It means to cling to. It means to stay with. It means to walk with. It means to remain in. I love this one. It means to stay present, has it ever, has presence ever been more attacked than in 2018? Yeah, I hear you, babe. Yep. Mm-hmm. How was your day? Wait, what'd you say? To be present, to be present with, to stay with, to dwell with, to remain as one, to be with. It's a beautiful picture. The branch is constantly connected, abiding, clinging to, remaining as one with the vine, abiding with Jesus. And that's our first call, friends. We're made to be with him and to remain one with him. And for what purpose? To bear fruit. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Now, there's some controversy. I know I'm teaching more than preaching this week, but I yelled through the whole message last week. Mike Bertalon, our production guy, spliced a clip for the internet, and he said, you yelled for the entire 40 minutes that you talked, so I'm trying to teach more than preach today so I don't scare anybody away. So listen, 
That last text, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. I don't like the NIV because it says he removes it, but there's a really good case, that Greek verb, A-I-R-O, aero, some believe is more accurately translated lift up. So every branch that doesn't bear fruit, he lifts up. And that makes a little more sense because if a vine isn't making fruit because it's down here, the gardener would lift it up and get it closer to the sun so that it could get what it needs to make fruit. Does that scan? Yeah. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, uh-oh, that it may bear more fruit. So my next thought, write it down, because it's coming if, it's, if you're not there now. If you are connected, you will be pruned. If you are connected, you will be pruned. So pruning is where the gardener takes this sharp little like scalpel thing, and he just cuts pieces of the vine off. Okay? So he cuts off, he, and, and here's the thing, as I studied this, um, Actually, for the first three years, it's all pruning. They, they don't even let the vine produce grapes because they know if they just prune it and prune it and prune it and prune it for the three whole seasons, then it'll produce the really big, like, beautiful grapes. Okay? And it's, it's an art form. I wish somebody had told me 20 years ago about this, though, because when I first got saved, I got delivered off drugs. I was like, my best life now, where's my Ferrari? Because that guy on TV told me I was getting a Ferrari and a big old house and I was never going to get sick and nothing ever bad was going to happen to me. But they didn't tell me that I was going to get pruned. And maybe some of you are new in this thing. Maybe you've been coming to Alpha and maybe you're still a skeptic. And again, if you're a skeptic in the room and you're, you're still trying to figure out this Jesus thing, I, we, everybody in this room is so thrilled that you are here and your questions are welcome. We want your questions. You are in a, a place where people love you. Yeah, let's see that. But listen, maybe you did make a decision for Jesus and then all hell broke, broke loose in your life. Maybe like a bunch of stuff started happening and things got more difficult than before. And that was me. I gave my life to Christ and it was like really awesome for like a weekend. <laughs> and then like I didn't have any of my old friends. And that's okay because they were on drugs. But I didn't have my old friends. And like it, was, it, it got harder. And, and, and all these things that I used to have in my life, my old music, my old stuff, like, like I didn't have any peace with that stuff. I had to start letting go of some things some old relationships, and I looked around at the people around me, and like, they didn't seem to have the same difficulties that I was having. I thought I was the most jacked up person in the room, (laughs) and just so you know, we'll take the pressure off since I'm not the main attraction. I'm still jacked. (laughs) I'm still jacked up, but guess what? Everybody in the room is jacked up. We're all on the continuum of jacked somewhere. It's just some of you are better actors than I am. (laughs) I mean it in a loving way. (laughs) But listen, it's beautiful because when we come into this place, everybody's jacked. It's okay to not be okay. We come broken. We come to the cross, and it's level ground at the cross. And we come with our brokenness, and we receive mercy. We receive grace. Listen. If you'll stay connected, if you'll abide with the vine, if you'll remain with him, the vine dresser is going to use the blade to cut things out of your life. And it's not because he's upset with you, friends. The good surgeon sees on the, on the advanced imaging, you come out of the MRI and they say, okay, we've gotta go in, we've gotta cut this thing out. The vine dresser's gonna lift you up. He's gonna lift you up and get you some more sun so you can bear fruit. So listen, if you're being pruned right now, if something has been taken away from you, 
If God has called you into something difficult, if something is sideways in your life, he's not mad at you, friend. He's not mad at you. He is unlocking your future fruit that you'll never get to in the place where you're at. He's got a cut. He's just pruning away some of that pride. He's just cutting away some of that self-reliance on your talent and your giftings and your experience. He's calling you into deeper dependence, friends, deeper trust. And look, I'll own it. I am being pruned right now, right now. This is the hardest week of preparation since, I, since I've been at this church. Like the enemy, and, and in worship in the first service, the enemy spoke to me. Why? The, the devil hates this message, hates this message. He wants you spinning your wheels over here. If I just go to the prayer meeting, if I just give enough money, if I just sign up for this team, if I just do this thing over here, if I, just, if I never smoke or swear or do anything that looks irreligious, then I'm, that's where the enemy, he loves you spinning your wheels out in the fringes when the real message is not about that. It's about being connected to the vine, being connected to the vine. And I thought I was good and dead. I, like I thought my flesh was dead because two sets of twins and then another baby and then another baby. I thought I was as dead as you could get, but apparently there's more that needs to be killed. So pray for me. So he's still cutting me. He's still cutting me because he's still calling me out of lifeless appetites, friends. Pruning is not punishment. It's not punishment. It's God making you fruitful. If you're connected you will be pruned. So sometimes losing a job is pruning. Sometimes that sudden breakup of a relationship is pruning. Sometimes you hear, you'll just hear one verse. You, you ever hear one thing from the preacher and you're like, that preacher was following me. He's got a webcam or something. That's creepy time. Because it's like, it like got me. And you can't shake it. That's the Lord pruning. God will send a person who's not even a Christian into my life sometimes. And like, or somebody that's like, I barely know them, they're in the periphery, and they'll be like, I thought you were a pastor. And I'm like, dang it. <laughs> dang it. I'm being pruned, and you don't even, you, you don't know me. Wait. <laughs> oh. Or my kids, my kids will prune me good. <laughs> Make no mistakes, friends. There's a loving father and he wants to trim away things in your life to bring you to a place of greater fruitfulness. He loves us too much to stay in our sin. He loves you too much. So everybody's welcome. Everybody comes in and we all come broken. But listen, it's gonna come to a point where Jesus is gonna say, if you wanna go forward in this thing, if you wanna bear fruit, I gotta cut that thing out of your life, amen? So we'll just ask the question, what's the Lord wanting to cut out of your life right now? Is it a relationship? Is it an appetite? Is it, are you at a crossroads this morning? Don't resist the pruning. Stay connected. Keep abiding. Amen? Let's go back to verse four. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. Goes on to talk about the branches withering. Write this down, it's my, my next thought. Branches are completely dependent on the vine. <coughs> branches are completely dependent on the vine. 
So okay, we've got the picture, right? I've nailed that, put that nail in, okay? We've got the vine dresser. Who's the vine? Jesus. You're still awake? Come on, we're not almost there. Who's the vine? Jesus. Okay, who's the branches? We're the branches. Okay, but there's one more element of this, of this picture that I want you to get. It's this picture of the sap flowing into the branch. Who is the sap? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the sap, and it flows in. Okay, so, so we know what the sap is. We know the construction. Now, what is the fruit? What is the fruit? Let's answer that question. We're almost there. Galatians 5, and 23. Many of you can say this by heart. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kind, forbearance is patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And man, I've sat across from so many people that are on the, I call it the Ferris wheel of disappointment, okay? They just go round and round and round being disappointed in their Christian walk because I, I wanna have patience, so I'm gonna try to have patience. I'm gonna try to have patience, and that lasts about six minutes when you've got a lot of kids, okay? And then you got no patience, okay? And your head starts spinning around, and you're growling because I don't have patience. And I wanna have joy, so I'm gonna be happy, but I'm not happy a lot of the time because I gotta do stuff I don't wanna do. Okay, and I, and, and, I want, and I want I want to have kindness, but I'm not really that kind when you get down to it, and I want to have self-control, but if you knew me before, I, Jesus' self-control was not my strong suit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Without me, you can do nothing. And I'm, I can, you can push up against it, because a lot of people think, like, apart from me, I can do a little, because I got some talent, I got some gifting, I got some experience, I could do a little bit, but... Man, God is crying out through the text this morning. He's trying to break through the noise of our distracted minds and distracted lives to, to get our attention. He's saying, I have unlimited resources for you in the vine. You, you, you stop striving. I mean, have you ever seen a branch that's like trying to be a branch? Like, you, you will never see that. Okay? You the vine has unlimited resources. Listen to the heart of God. You can partake of my holiness. You can partake of my peace, my joy. Share in my gentleness, in my self-control. I have everything that you need, but you must abide. You must cling to me. You must hang on for dear life, friends. You must maintain the connection, beloved. You must choose to remain in me. He gave his life to have this connection with you. He says, abide with me. Without me, you can do nothing. I want to give you one last text and set it up real quick. Turn, turn back to John chapter 3. So this is John the Baptist, okay? And he was, if you know the scriptures, John the Baptist, was, he, was, he was prophesied about. He was the one that was going to, he was the forerunner to Jesus. So he, showed, he burst onto the scene. He was kind of a wild man. He, you know, he, 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 he wore crazy clothes and he ate bugs and he was out there, Okay? And, but he was, he was preaching a message of repentance, repent of your sins and be baptized, and he's baptizing people. He's preparing the way for Jesus. And, and there's an account before this where he baptizes Jesus. And, and John had some guys, some of them even just left to follow Jesus, and that's, that hurts. But So he's got some guys around him, and, and what happens is Jesus is drawing these huge crowds now. He's stepped into his ministry and he's working miracles. And they're kind of bummed for their guy. John the Baptist is their guy, okay? So they go to him and they're like, they're like listen, man, nobody's like looking at your social media posts. 
No, like, you're not getting any, any pub now, okay? Like, everybody's about this Jesus. And I want you to just pick this up, John 3, 26. They came to John and said to him, this is his disciples, Rabbi, the man who is with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, look, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. To this, John replied, oh, this is so good that we could get this. A person can receive only what is given them from heaven. He goes all the way down to verse 30. He says, he must become greater. I must become less. Listen, a person can only receive what is given them from heaven. This is the Christian life, friends. It's not about trying and striving and doing. It's about receiving. It's about receiving from him. And as we stay connected with him, as we stay connected with him, the life of God flows into us. This explains so much of what we see, what we see around us, okay? You see a person that at one point they were on the front row and they were singing, they were down here cutting a rug with me and my kids and little Truett who was doing this like suck on your fingers in a circle, that kind of hop dance that he was doing, which was awesome. They were like that at one point, they were on fire, okay? They, were, they had an appetite for spiritual things and then something, something changed, right? This is real life, come on, come on. When you know somebody that at once just dripped love and compassion and, 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 and kindness and now they're like, they've got an edge, you know? They've got an edge to them, they're hard. Come on, there's something lacking, the peace, the joy is in there. And we wanna be shallow, we wanna say, well, I thought they were a Christian. Of course they're a Christian. Of course they're a believer. They're just withered. They're dried up. They're crusty. They're crispy. I've been extra tasty crispy, okay? I've gotten off track and gotten dry as dry can be. Come on, friends. You know what I'm talking about. Worship team, will you come? We gotta land the plane. And how does it happen? I touched on it last week. I mean, even for pastors, when they go off the rails, how does that start? It doesn't start because they want to make shipwreck of their life. It starts because they stop abiding. They stop having communion and fellowship with God, and then everything implodes on them. I mean, come on. You, have you ever felt withered? <laughs> and look, God is never the problem. <laughs> He's the same yesterday, today, forever. He, he hasn't changed, right? So it's me, it's me. I, I've stopped abiding. I, when I get to that place, it's because I'm not willing to make that connection my priority. And I get crusty. But listen, friends, the mercy. Tomorrow when the sun comes up, the Bible says his mercies are new every day. So if you're there, if you are just dried out as you can be and there's no life in you, I have good news for you, friends. Tomorrow, when you get up in the morning, there's fresh mercy. There's a fresh invitation from the throne to say, come boldly before the throne of grace. Come with confidence. He wants to pour out his love and his mercy. He wants to be with you. He wants to be connected to you, friends. And so look, I, I, I do want to give you something practical today. It, it's, it's my last thought. So if every person's called to abide, and it's hard because I can just get up here and preach spiritual disciplines, and we're going to do some of that. I'm going to talk in detail about fasting in a message really soon. 
But there's two things that every relationship needs, and it's, and it's gardening. It's gardening. It's time and attention. Time and attention. And I touch on it again and again because we've just never been more distracted than we are in 2018. Attention's really hard now, right? Because of all the stimuli. Time is really hard now because our calendars are so full. Listen, if I don't give, if I don't go on the occasional date with Kathleen, if I don't give her any time, things get weird. Then I find my stuff in the garage and I gotta sleep by the minivan and it's hot out there. (laughs) There's no air conditioning out there. No, but it gets weird. It gets hard, it gets difficult, just the simplest of things, right? Time and attention. And so, last week I mentioned a set time, and I think a set time is a good thing. It's a good place to start. Most days I'm a 4 a.m.er, if I can. If we can get the kids down, 4 a.m., it's quiet in the house, 4.30, and it's a set time, so a set time is good, but look, The heart of God, the spirit of God is inviting you into something that's more than a set time. I don't have a set time with Kathleen. We think, think about what we've created with Spectator Church where we come in to see the show once a week. Like that's not, that's not gardening. If if the vine just connected for an hour and a half once a week and pulled it off, by Tuesday it's dead. Why do you think by Tuesday sometimes you're like, where is God? So a set time is good. A moment in time is wonderful, but listen to the heart of God. It's what he's calling me to. It's why I've got to fast again this week because it's so hard to give victory over all this thing and all the different pull. A moment is wonderful, but what he's looking is not just a set time, but it's in between time. In between this conversation to the next, in between this meeting to the next, that all those little interconnected moments of my life, the linear moments that I would that I would turn my heart and my attention and give him time and attention, time and attention to, to be in that relationship, to talk to him, to call on him, to tell him how much I need him, to thank him for all that he's done, that I'm not dead in a ditch from an overdose. That again and again I'd go to the throne of grace and say, God, all that I have is yours. Help me, resource me. Feel me, speak to me, God, I need you. I wish that I had the mirror from Beauty and the Beast. Right now, you, who's seen Beauty and the Beast, the new one? My kids have watched it 178 times. Okay. So there's a mirror in Beauty and the Beast, and you can say, show me the beast, right? And this little image comes up on there, and they all freak out, and they want to go kill the beast. But listen, if I had that thing right now, and I could show you your life 60 days from now, if you would abide, I mean, if you would, if you would like make him and being with him the priority of your life, if I could show you an image of what your life would look like, the authority that you'd walk in, the peace that you would enjoy, the favor that you would have, the, the, the amount of insight and revelation and the way that the word of God would just burst off the pages in your life, if I could show it to you, friends. If I could show you your life of what it would look like, I believe you'd abandon everything to get there, friends. This is the cry. It's the heart of God for you. He wants time and attention. We can do that. Listen, nothing grows without time and attention. And we need this, friends. The vine is the life. 
you're connected, stand by. You're going to be pruned. If you're not being pruned now, you, you will be. Branches are completely dependent on the vine, and abiding only grows with time and attention. And so I'm just going to ask you, I don't, don't want to do anything to make anybody uncomfortable. Would you just close your eyes for a minute? I'm not going to move around because I just, wanna, I just want quiet and just sort of rest for just a few minutes and we'll be done. But I want you to just listen for just a second. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Because like we talked about last week, if we don't make contact with God, we've wasted our time. And I can't really teach you this. So with every eye closed in the place, I'm not gonna call anyone out. This is just a moment between you and God for you to listen. I wanna ask this, this question that you would ask of the Lord. What is blocking the flow of the sap into your life? What are the lifeless things in your life? What is the thing that you've been giving your time and attention to that the Lord is jealous over? What are you trying to prune from our lives, God? Would you speak in this moment, God? Maybe it's a good thing, Lord, but you have something better. Maybe you're within the sound of my voice, and when I describe the person that's just dried out, you're dry. You're withered. And maybe it's a situation you didn't even, you didn't ask for it, it just happened. And the bottom fell out of your life. I remember the year that my son needed three surgeries in one year and everything was upside down. Financially, emotionally, everything just was sideways. I couldn't even read my Bible. I would open it and just like, I couldn't pray. I couldn't listen to worship music. I would just cry. I was... The Spirit of God just wants, to, just wants to pour back into you, just wants to reconnect with you this morning. So if you're just dried and, and weary this morning, Spirit of God just wants to flow into you that sap, that good life right now. Can we all stand to our feet? We're right on our time. I just ask that you don't leave the room. Let's just keep this attitude of worship for just a moment. Thank you, God, thank you, God, thank you. All across this room, if you're comfortable, would you just 
lift your head toward heaven for a moment. You can keep your eyes closed or keep them open. And if you're comfortable with this, maybe just open your hands like this. This is just a sign of surrender. The Bible talks about men, lift, men and women lifting holy hands in prayer. It's just kind of a symbol of surrender. It's saying, I'm open to you, God. And if that makes you uncomfortable, don't do a thing that you're not comfortable with. Spirit of God, we open ourselves to you again. Would you fill us, God, with your life, God, the life from the vine, Jesus? Would you make yourself real again, God? Forgive us for where we've gotten busy and gotten off track. Forgive us for closing you out of areas of our life and looking to other things for peace and life, God. Listen, if that's your heart's cry today, would you, would you pray? We're gonna pray a prayer of just a consecration and surrender. If this is your heart, then repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I give you my life again. I wanna be connected to the vine. You are the source of all life. I receive that life now. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, God. I belong to you. My heart is yours. My mind is yours. My time is yours. I want to be with you, Jesus. Help me to turn from lifeless things. Teach me to abide, God. In Jesus' name.